I really got you that time. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andy's Season 9, Episode 10. My name is Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerill. And the thing that we're going to talk about this evening is... It's a movie. A movie. And it's called Censor. Censor? How do you spell that? Uh, C-E-N-S-O-R. So like someone who censors something. Exactly that, okay, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and without knowing anything about it, and not even, not having prepped, which I normally do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't ask me what the, what it was earlier on, so... <laughs> um, I figure it's probably one of those uh, incredibly clever uh, adult cartoons where uh, about, about two losers... Okay. who make a, a video that goes viral on the internet um, and oh. then fall foul of the censors. Um, mm. And that that's what shoots them to fame. And then it's kind of the story of their downfall um, and final sort of denouement with the censor, which causes them to collapse into um, obscurity. Their own, their own navels. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um it's Am not that, right? that. Okay. No, okay. it's not that. Uh, however, uh-huh. we've got some any other business before uh-huh. I get uh-huh. into that. And I think you have as well. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. do you want to do your any other business first? Um, yeah. So just a, happier than my any, any yeah. other business. <laughs> so happy news for those of us who like to see criminals go to prison. I thought our listeners might be interested. Um, there's uh, uh, news that came out, I think came out today of... Um, two people who stole a very large amount of cryptocurrency. Uh, it's not clear to me from the coverage whether they stole it or they kind of stole it from the people who stole it or something, you know, something like that. But anyway, um, in 2016, there was um, a hack on this uh, exchange called Bitfinex and a large amount of Bitcoin was stolen, which I think at the time was worth $71 million and is now worth 36 billion dollars uh in theory i mean bitcoin isn't worth what it's really worth because if anyone actually sold all their bitcoin the price would shoot down but anyway um a lot a lot of money's worth of bitcoin uh that they stole and they tried to launder it by um uh doing lots of very complicated transactions and and taking the money out in all kinds of weird and wonderful ways including like getting store cards and things and, and using ATMs, like Bitcoin ATMs and all kinds of transactions and fake identities and so on and so on. And it took them a while, but the um, the American US authorities managed to track them down and uh, send them to prison for up to 20 years. Um, and what's interesting about it is that the because of all these cryptocurrencies, the way they're built is that the information about all the transactions is completely public by by design. It's impossible to work any other way. It is actually possible, if you have the technology and the determination, to track down all these complicated transactions that are supposed to launder the money and figure out who's got it. And uh, they've obviously managed to do that in this case. So kudos to US law enforcement. And uh, good to see... Uh, to people who stole a lot of money getting caught and also crime that might even be worse than that um, <laughs> uh, one of them is also a rapper and their uh, their rap is available on YouTube and it's not good oh it's terrible it's not good we just had, a, really just had a quick terrible. listen I mean it is it is, lit- it is everything that's wrong about people doing hip hop who should not be doing hip hop it's really, really not good. It's listener. awful. It's really awful. I mean, it's almost as bad. Yeah, no, it's nearly as bad as the. There's a, a Neil Neil Blomkamp movie called Chappie, which ah, is a movie yeah. that I detest intensely. I don't think um, I've seen it, but I I wanted to because I really liked um thingy. Yeah, well, that's that's the way I thought I felt about every Neil Blomkamp movie since District yeah. Nine. Yeah, District Nine. That, District Nine was amazing. And is that they just don't live up to the. That other one to that promise with with her, what's her name in that was awful as well Elysium, yeah with the weird dubbing the weird yeah the weird dubbing that of Jodie Foster's voice which was so strange. 
Was there weird dubbing? Well, it's like, it's like they went in and did ADR on all of her dialogue. What's so ADR? she did it again. ADR. Additional dialogue recording. Oh, right, 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 yeah. So something went wrong and they recorded it over it. Yeah, they right. recorded it well, again. It and, it, and it just looked like looks like she has no investment in doing that again. She she didn't. Yeah. She didn't want to be there. No, um, no uh, definitely uh, not. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, it's not I mean, it, it has these very compelling machines that cure you of all diseases, right? Which is, yeah, I mean... That's pretty compelling. That's the only yeah. thing I remember about it. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. And also, I enjoyed um, Charlotte Copley as the psychotic guy who's chasing Matt Damon. Right, right. I thought he was good. But remember it's it really. just... Yeah, it's just not great. So, anyway, but sorry, you were saying Chappie is no good. Chappie is... Oh, God, I detest that film so much. Hmm. Um, but there's, there's a, um, a musical outfit, a South African musical outfit that I forget the name of, who appear in the film as actors and uh-huh. also perf- and also do some soundtrack stuff on it. No, not good. <laughs> no, just don't. And it, actually, that music video reminds me a bit of that. Right, right, right. It's like people doing stuff that they're clearly not suited for and uh, falling flat on their faces, frankly. Yeah, but it's they have good. no sense of no self. No, no self-awareness at all. Right. And that what they're doing is just bad. Right. I mean, anyway. it's not. It's not good writing. No, no, it's not. And it's not good performance. But that is good news that some people went to jail. Yeah. 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 Bad definitely. People. Yeah. Bad people. So that was my other business. My other business is is sad, um, and that is that VFX pioneer. General Trailblazer, Douglas Trumbull, has died. So what would he, I know him from? Uh, so he was a big trailblazer during the 60s and 70s. So late 60s, he worked extensively on Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Right. Um, groundbreaking VFX mm-hmm. for the time. <clears throat> I mean, there's stuff in that movie that nobody had done before. Mm-hmm. They, they invented ways of doing stuff uh, that would... That we still use. Do we still use them now? No, probably not. So people don't really do model work anymore. But the the model of the Discovery in 2001 was 40 feet long. Wow. I didn't yes. know that. It's incredible. So it's a, oh. massive, min- a massive miniature, basically. Right, right, a, right. That they could really... And it really shows in the movie. Is, yeah, is it looks How big. great it looks. It looks big. The, the, the bits I remember... Special effects wise, are the yeah. the like being up, walking upside down type stuff. That's so clever. Yeah, really nicely done. A big centrifuge, but he was also the he was instrumental in the one of the final sequences of the movie, the Stargate sequence. Right. With the slit scan technique that he used right. for that. Right, 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 right. Um, which was again, um, yeah, sort of quite used in Doctor Who as well in the mm-hmm. opening titles mm-hmm. of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really, really important guy in terms of VFX. Um, and the next really in- interesting thing he did, he worked with director Robert Wise mm-hmm. on a movie called The Andromeda Strain, which is... I've heard of it. I think an incredibly dull movie. <laughs> uh, an adaptation of a Michael Crichton novel, who also right. wrote Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a very dull movie, but the VFX are nice in it. Right. Uh, but then he would then come back to work with um, Robert Wise again on the first Star Trek movie, The Motion Picture, which is, a, oh, wow. again, a very dull movie, but <laughs> does have some extremely nice VFX in it. It looks it looks great. Right. Um, and again, they used a miniature for the Starship Enterprise to, right. to shoot that, a much smaller miniature. miniature. He passed on. He passed on Star Wars, so didn't work with George Lucas right. on Star Wars at all, right? Because he was contributing effects to Close Encounters of the Third Kind for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven Spielberg. Again, some very nice VFX in that. The um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's a beloved movie of mine. Although I think it, <clears throat> I think it's Spielberg, or possibly at his most saccharine and right. Um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Wish, sort of wish fulfillment kind of thing. It's like right. Um, Not sure I've seen it. <clears throat> it's good. I mean, it's good. I mean, it, and it has. Yeah, I think I think it's good. It has a really <laughs> strong performance from Richard Dreyfus, who was 
uh, as documented in Julia Phillips's book, You'll Never Work in This Town Again. Uh, Richard Dreyfus, no, sorry, You'll Never Eat Lunch in This Town Again. Um, mm-hmm. She said that Richard Dreyfus was, or she states that he was completely off his face on drugs and booze whilst they were shooting right. that movie. Okay. So that at times when he is, um, when he's being questioned by folks about why he's at this secret place that's a bit like Area 51, mm-hmm. and he looks like he doesn't know what, what he's doing and, and where he is, he actually <laughs> doesn't know where he is or, or who he's talking to. So, mm-hmm. um, And that kind of pays off in the film because he looks genuinely <laughs> spooked by everything. Um, he was on the board of IMAX for a while, so he's um, okay. instrumental in sort of bringing that to the public eye. I think IMAX has been probably not the great success that people thought it would be. <clears throat> but I think if you've ever seen a film that's been shot in IMAX, or at least portions of it have been shot in IMAX, you can see how impressive it is. It certainly inspired some people in yeah. their filmmaking, hasn't it? Yeah, I think Christopher Nolan shoots... I, I, hang on, I'm thinking now that Tenet was shot entirely in IMAX. Yeah, I think he shoots as much as possible in IMAX, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because you you can now use digital IMAX cameras. You don't have mm-hmm. to use the very l- big, noisy film cameras anymore. So right. you can shoot digitally, although I don't know whether Nolan does shoot digitally. Yeah. Uh, I know that, I I know know that um, James Cameron definitely does. Right. Um. So, uh, but he but he also made made a beloved movie of myself and film critic Mark Komod, who I name check on this podcast a lot. Mm-hmm. A movie called Silent Running. Right. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Nineteen seventy one film that he made for about a million dollars. What's it about? I've, I, I've heard of it. Very, I've heard Komod well, go on about it. Yeah. So it's actually a very topical film now, or it or it has been for some time now, but I think these days very much so, in that there are spacecraft, massive spacecraft, that contain uh, like rainforests and um, flora and fauna mm-hmm. uh, that have been saved from Earth. Right. And Bruce Dern plays, a, plays one of the crew of this, uh, they've been told that the domes, these geodesic domes, are going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. They've got to return to Earth, and he says, "No, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep them going." Right. Um, that's basically what it is. But right. it's a movie that I watched along with, um, in the nineteen seventies. There was a, there was a series of science fiction movies on on the on the BBC. Mm-hmm. I think it was on BBC Two. In which the first time I saw Silent Running, also Forbidden Planet, which is another right. beloved movie of mine, mm-hmm. um, and some other other things like This Island Earth and more more straightforward stuff. But this was in that list, and it it's a movie that's stuck with me ever since. Mm, yeah, I should definitely watch that. It's really good. It's really really good. And considering how much it cost to make, which wasn't much, yeah, it looks great. So he directed that. In 71. Um, and then he worked uh, on a film that a film that we both love, which was Blade Runner. Mm. So VFX for Blade Runner as well. So mm. there's several movies in here that most people would consider to be absolute touchstones of American cinema and in the 20th of, century. And like important VFX specifically, yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely, yeah. So yeah, a huh. real groundbreaker, yeah. uh, Douglas Trumbull. Um I think uh, in the last 20 years, he's been pretty quiet. Uh-huh. So he worked on Terence Malick's movie, The Tree of Life, in 2011, where he produced some stop-motion effects. Okay. But he's been pretty quiet. I think that he is a he's a hands-on, old-school VFX rather than CGI. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he didn't really make that transition over to, to uh, digital effects. Mm-hmm. But he remains, I think, an inspiration for people who are working in the industry. Yeah. Uh, because I think Blade Runner, I think Blade Runner in, in particular, everything just looks perfect. Yeah. Everything just fits into that world. Nothing stands out as being, oh, that looks like a, that doesn't really 
belonged there. You know, it's all absolutely perfect. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. So yeah, Delta Strumble. I raise my virtual glass to him. Chink. He's certainly a big influence on me. Right. And on and on my movie watching. Yeah. Anyway, should we crack on with the movie? Let's crack on. Okay. So, Sensor is a 2021, so fairly Ooh. new. Yeah. British psychological horror film. Ah, another one of those. There's a lot of those. <laughs> We've been mm-hmm. watching a lot of horror, so we'll be getting through all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> directed by Prano Bailey Bond, so uh, female director, which is great. And it was produced from a screenplay by Bailey Bond and Anthony Fletcher. And the film stars Neve Olgar, Nicholas Burns, Vincent Franklin, Sophia Laporta, Adrian Schiller, and Michael Smiley, who is a Northern Irish actor who's been in loads of stuff. You just like kind what? of reckon. Uh, I can't think of anything else at the moment. <laughs> uh, but I'll look him up in a minute. Oh, but yeah, he's yeah. he's a very prolific um, actor. He's mm-hmm. got one of those faces that you don't forget. He's like, right. oh, I know yeah, that I'm guy. Place him. Yeah. Um, had its world premiere at the 2021 Sundance Film Festival, so January 2021. And it received the Melier d'Or for the Best European Fantastic Film, which is cool. So this is this film is set at the height of the I'm going to do some air quotes here and I don't mm-hmm. evil video nasty controversy in the right, United Kingdom right. which I remember then, it's set then yes right, so right, I remember right. that very clearly right um because I worked in a video shop at the time right <laughs> and uh-huh. um actually no 1985 yeah so <clears throat> I worked in a video shop <clears throat> just <clears throat> sorry just pre the controversy mm-hmm. <clears throat> I worked in a video shop and I took took home stuff like The Exorcist and movies like that that hadn't been rated by the BBFC mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I was quite fortunate in that right. but then the, but then there was some um, moral outrage in the media Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that some films were being watched by children mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, you know, young teenagers like me. <clears throat> and there was no no oversight of it by anybody. So the BBFC and the... Uh, now, the thing I'm thinking of is that... Yeah, the Director of Public Prosecutions who passed the Obscene Publications Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they got it to include works of you know, video works as well. So some things were banned. <clears throat> James, the, Well, yes, I mean, so James Furman, who was head of the BBFC at the time, who I regard as like um, a rather... Um, oh, what's, what's the phrase I'm looking for? A, a control freak nanny is how I would describe mm-hmm. him. Uh, he decided that the the Exorcist was too real and should not be released on video mm-hmm. or on DVD when DVDs arrived. And it, right, and it specifically is about videos because children could get hold of them and you couldn't control. Yeah. Who was but the thing them. is, on the day that he retired, the BBFC released it on TV, on DVD. Right. So it was nothing to do with that. It's just to do with the fact that he he couldn't handle it personally. He thought it was too real. In quotes. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, when in fact, so that suggests that exorcism is real and demonic possession is real when um, we can make our minds about whether those things are real or not or whether people are suffering terrible mental illness. Interesting phrase, isn't it? Yes. It's real. That's, that, that's, that was, those were his words, yeah. It's too yeah. real. Anyway. Um, so can I just break so yes. in and, and say <clears throat> yes. what I've seen Michael Smiley in because I looked him up? Please do, yes. Uh, spaced. Yes, he is in space. Uh, My tires, work here is... Yes. Tires O'Flaherty. That's right, yeah. Um, and... Well, oh, and Luther. Oh, yeah, he is in Luther. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. I probably... I've seen some of his other things, but those are the things I know him from. He's very prolific, you know. He turns up all over the place, and as I said, he's got a very... 
He's got a very distinctive voice and a very distinctive face that you mm-hmm. uh, you can't yeah. miss him really. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so this is set at the height of the controversy where mm-hmm. where the BBFC were playing catch up with um, videos, right? And there were studios um, releasing movies in what we now call actually they call it at the time DTV direct to video so right. these things didn't get a cinematic release they were made specifically for the home video market which mm-hmm. at the time was massive right so everybody had a vhs player betamax was on its last legs um even even we had a vhs player it took us several years to get a color tv right after after everyone else yeah but then we did get a video player relatively promptly yeah so everybody had one um, videotape was massive, you know, it was a huge mm. business. And there were small studios who would make films specifically just to release straight to video because it would get a massive audience. And you worked in a video shop? I did. I did. I worked in a video shop in 1984, or maybe 83, over the winter. Um, so I saw a lot of films, well, yeah, The Exorcist and other movies of that kind. Right. Um, yeah. You saw a lot of people coming in to to get videos. So were they, were yes. they straight to video videos popular? They were incredibly popular. Yeah, right. Right. yeah. So you know, aside from the um, so somebody released um a movie that looked like ET, right? But wasn't ET. It was like a horror, a cheapo horror exploitation version of ET. Right. <laughs> and we had to put on the vi- on the video cassette. This film is not ET. <laughs> To stop families uh-huh. from renting it and then showing it to their children. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, it was hugely popular. And people would release movies like that. Right. And people actually, you do still see that. You do still yeah. see studios releasing movies that look like other movies but aren't. That have got stupid names that sound a cheap a knockoff, like, basically. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, so the plot is... That uh, Neve Algar plays a character called Enid Baines. Her co-workers call her Little Miss Perfect, mm-hmm. uh, which is the kind of thing that these days wouldn't wouldn't pass. But at the time, um, she is look, people look down their nose at her. At the, at the mm-hmm. it's never it's never called. Actually, no, no, it is the BBFC, and the offices are like these really old creaky offices badly lit um, with these uh-huh. screening rooms that are smoke people are smoking all over the place as well smoky grimy pbfc offices so this is this this is about the people who work at the pbfc yes but there is another okay. plot involved in this okay okay um <clears throat> so she's called little miss perfect due to her strictness she's very strict right on the guidelines right um, she recommends that violent content be cut or banned. You know, she's mm-hmm. very, she's quite averse to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and while she's having dinner with her parents, they discuss the disappearance of Enid's sister Nina when they were both little. Mm-hmm. This is a, I would say this is like an open wound mm-hmm. for her. You know, she really still feels the responsibility of the fact that her sister went missing. Mm-hmm. But her parents announced that they have now declared Nina legally dead. It's like right. it's been so long that they've just said, "Okay, we just want to move on from this now." Right. But Enid is convinced that her sister is still missing and mm-hmm. alive. Right. Um, and shortly after, um, a man murders his wife and children, and a tabloid newspaper links the killings to a film Enid had rated several months prior. Okay. So this kind of thing is, I think these days, it probably happens less often, but certainly back then, people did watch what we, you know, what we call video nasties, and then decide to go and copy it and, and do something, which it's incredibly yeah, or, rare, and it's kind of hysteria it around it. Yeah. <clears throat> like, yeah. It got blamed. Like, the same way, like, the Columbine yes. um, kids played... Some video game before, um, before they that's did right. it. Yeah, um, that's that's what gets blamed these days, isn't it? Yeah, and Stanley Kubrick's movie *A Clockwork Orange*. 
was blamed for some copycat attacks by people who quoted the movie or quoted the book and dressed up like Malcolm's Droogs. Alex's Droogs, not Malcolm's Droogs. Yeah, it is weird. And that's one of the reasons why Kubrick Kubrick withdrew that from distribution. He just said, well, if you can't be grown up about it, then I'm just going to withdraw it from distribution. It's very hard to understand why anyone would watch that film and think it was like pro-violence. Yes, quite, yes. Um, But, you know, tabloid newspapers being what they are, they will happily write a, what is basically a vapour story about, (laughs) oh yes, it must be linked to the fact that this movie came out and he watched it, so that's why he did it. Right. Speculating about it. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but But the toxic thing about it is that they name Enid as the censor who approved the movie. Right, and they blame her for not. Yeah. For not so she it. she starts to receive phone calls threatening and insulting her on a regular basis. Right. But one day, she's approached by Doug Smart, who's played by Michael Smiley. Right. Who is a film producer of exploitative movies, let's say. Right. Mm-hmm. So movies that feature explicit sex and violence, mm-hmm. uh, the kind of thing that there was a lot of at that time. Mm-hmm. Um who claims that a veteran horror director named Frederick North has personally requested that she screen one of his old films, Don't Go in the Church. This will come back. So during the screening... So, so yes. requested that she screen it. What is that? Well, like, what Do they screen uh, films? Or? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, during the screening, Enid, Enid notices that events depicted parallel her memories of her sister's disappearance. Right. But, but sorry, just to go yes. back on that. Yes. What Screen it as in watch it so they can censor it or something else? Um, I can't remember, actually. Okay. Yeah, it's a so slightly there's... odd request. Um, yeah, so she's, she thinks okay. that there are events in this film that are referencing her sister's disappearance. Right. Now, but we don't know whether she's seen this movie before and she's having a false memory, mm. or whether she's losing her mind, mm-hmm. <laughs> or whether mm-hmm. she's imprinting, like, like wish fulfilment, kind of, yeah. because she's really, really well, messed up about it. Or whether she's actually, whether it's actually made by the person who abducted her sister. Well, exactly, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... So she investigates this um, this Frederick North character by acquiring a copy of one of his banned films. Uh, she notices, notices that the film's lead actress bears a resemblance to her missing sister. Right. So the plot thickens. Right. Um, she soon becomes obsessed with meeting North, mm-hmm. believing that this actress is her missing sister. Mm-hmm and needs to be saved from the exploitation film industry. Right. Um, but when she visits him, she visits Smart, Michael Smiley, mm-hmm. hoping to learn North's whereabouts. And he tells her that North is making a sequel to Don't Go in the Church. Mm-hmm. And he attempts to seduce her. Really don't go in the church. No, I told you, don't go in the church. <laughs> what have I said? How many times have I told How you? How many times? I've told you a thousand times, stop yeah. exaggerating. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, Smart tries to seduce her in quite an aggressive way. Mm-hmm. She then pushes him and accidentally kills him. Oops. Oops, indeed. <laughs> yes, oopsie. <laughs> you could yeah. say he had it coming. He's not a nice man, but he didn't, right. probably didn't deserve that, to be fair. Um, so he steals North's address... Uh, finds the set of the latest film. Hang on, who where, steals North's address? Uh, Enid. <clears throat> oh, she, okay, you said he. Sorry, yeah, yeah. She, okay. She, okay. yeah. Um, and when she gets to the set, they all assume that she's an actress. Right. Who wants to join this movie. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> during a climactic scene... Enid kills an actor named Charles with an axe. She's she's killing everyone. I know. It's like a bloodbath. (laughs) And it's quite, it's actually quite a moving scene because this actor is, you know, pretty terrible. 
Right. And she sort of impales him with the axe and he says, hang on, that's not in the script. <laughs> and then falls down. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's sad. It's really sad. <laughs> okay. Not funny. Sounds, Even sounds though I said it sounds cool. funny, it's not. It's not. Okay. Um, uh, thinking that he was going to hurt her sister, in more air quotes I'm doing there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and a terrified Alice, who is the woman that she thinks is her sister, yeah. flees as she as Enid begs Alice to please be her. Please right. be her. Please be my sister. Please be my right. missing yeah. sister. Yeah. Um, and uh, she then sort of disappears into a fantasy world, or maybe her mind okay. has now snapped. Right. And she she passes out in the woods. She's awoken by a seemingly happy vision of her sister, thanking her for finding her. Right. Um, and that's and the then end she goes, scene. No, not quite, no. no. <laughs> her fantasy is sporadically interrupted, uh-huh. uh, revealing that she kidnapped Alice, what? who is begging Enid's parents for help as Enid smiles whilst carrying an axe, and then the movie ends. Right. So the movie kind of ends like a exploitation movie. Right, right, right. Um so it it starts out very reality bites, you know, very mm-hmm. grounded. Mm-hmm. And then as she goes into the woods and she becomes more and more heightened, a reality and fantasy kind of blur. Right. Until fantasy just takes over at the end and we, we maybe realise that she has lost her mind and she, she's now living in this fantasy world. Right, and and that she killed her sister. and they, that's Well, maybe. Why, it's never clear. Why, all, all this killing that happens later is not so surprising now. No, maybe not. So there are definitely... There are numerous flashbacks to the time that when her sister disappeared Right. that suggest that maybe Enid some, had something to do with it. Right. But it's never entirely clear. Right, 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 right. It's never entirely clear. And that's very cleverly done because the film is very ambiguous uh, but hugely entertaining okay. in the way that so, it delivers everything. So here's the question. Yes. What, what is this film telling us or teaching us? What is it teaching us? Or showing us? Okay. So I think it's showing us that um it's showing us that guilt can drive you crazy if you don't deal with it. Right. Um if you feel really really guilt massively guilty about a past event. Right. It doesn't really help you. You need to try and resolve that. Right. So maybe she didn't do it. Guilt. She's well, just maybe gone, she didn't. Yeah. She just flamed herself for so long that that's become so her reality. I will actually talk about <clears throat> when we when we finish this. I'll talk about a news item that I read about okay. that is very similar to this story. Okay, okay. But I'll talk about that, and mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. But yeah, I think I think it's a movie about guilt. It's a movie about someone who's really struggling with. I think because of all of the exploitative material that they're watching, and because of her, <clears throat> you know, her past. She is struggling to find the the line between fantasy and reality. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think that if you were if you were particularly sensitive um, emotionally, then constantly watching this kind of exploitation trash, it's going eventually going to get to you. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And she was overcompensating by being a very strict censor. Very strict. Yeah. Very strict. Okay. Sticking to the rules, you know, when there's her and a man, another censor, or even a, another woman censor in there, and the woman censor thinks, well, what do you think of that? And she says, oh, no, that shouldn't be there. According to the mm-hmm. rules, that should be out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the other censor says, well, it's not too bad. You know, we can probably leave it in. And she's, no, it's got to go. Right. So, um, I mean, I think that these days... The BBFC is 
a totally different organization to the one that it was then. Mm-hmm. Um, they were pretty secretive. Uh, mm-hmm. And as I said, you know, they had the sort of control freak paranoid right. um, James Furman in charge, whereas now they are entirely transparent and they do mm-hmm. consultations with the public about what do the public want to see them focusing on. Right, right, right. Rather than them making up the rules, they reach out and say, okay, things have changed. And, you know, every 10 years they have a consultation and say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what are the things that are concerning you? Right. What, what should we be focusing on now? Which is fantastic. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's entirely opposite to the the MPAA in the United States, which, which is a secretive organization that's beholden to no one, it appears. So... Um Films like Alien got reclassified. Yes. So yes. Is that because... Have we finished with the film? <laughs> can I just go um, on to censorship in general? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think we can... I'll just talk about the the sort of um, the response to it and mm-hmm. what people okay. thought of it. Okay. I, you know, I will sort of say again that this is directed by a woman, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Uh, there's actually a, a new movie came out a couple of weeks ago called Amulet, uh-huh. which is also directed by a woman. So I think the more women we have in horror... Actually, no, St. Maud was also directed by a woman. So right. yeah. I think the more women we have directing and making horror movies, the better, because I think that women bring a very unique eye to what a horror movie is and right. what it's about and the kind of fears and feelings that you can tap into. Right, yeah. Uh, particularly with relation to violence against women. Right. Is that, you know, I'm so done with women being chased around by someone with a knife. Mm-hmm. I'm just done with it. And every time I hear about another movie that's come out like that, I'm, I'm no, mm-hmm. just stop. Mm-hmm. Just stop mm-hmm. now. <laughs> we need to stop this. Um. Anyway, yes. Oh, actually... So filming primarily took place in Leeds and Bradford in West Yorkshire and the set of Gerald's video store was created in Pudsey. The film was shot on 35mm with some Super 8 and VHS footage specially shot for the film. Wow, so that's all quite old-fashioned, right? Yeah, definitely, yes. Um, So Rotten Tomatoes has a rating of 89%. So it's occasionally uneven but bold and viscerally effective. It marks a bloody good step forward for British horror. Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian described the film as very elegant and disquieting debut. Mark, uh, oh, Mark Kermode said he rated the film five out of five. Yeah. I think it's really good. And right. I think if, I think if you, if you're a, a cinephile, or even if you're not a cinephile, but, but you have a sort of an interest in the history of film, this movie takes a a deep dive into the the video nasty era, right? Which was very interesting. It is interesting to revisit that when the um, the emotion has kind of come out of it, hasn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because at the time it was hysteria, basically. <laughs> yeah, and and post that as well. So I remember the uh when david cronenberg's crash came out which is a fantastic mm. movie but very challenging very challenging film the daily mail's headline was ban this sick filth now mm. i mean that is the daily mail so it's not really that much of a surprise that they would say that yeah i remember that coming out um and i believe that westminster council banned it so 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 for listeners' benefit, if they don't understand, so a listener maybe not from the UK or maybe doesn't understand how the BBFC works, the BBFC produces certificates for films. A film can't be shown without one unless a local council says that it can. So a local council right, can yeah, override it, the BBFC. Because the way the enforcement works is that you it's just that you lose your license to run a cinema if you behave irresponsibly, right? And then yes, what yes. what counts as behaving irresponsibly is kind of judged by the council. That's my understanding. That's exactly it, yeah. So a council yeah. can say, actually, we're fine with you showing that film that hasn't been certified. Mm-hmm. And they can 
they can then override the BBFC. So Westminster Council banned David Cronenberg's crash. Right. Even though the BBFC had rated it 18. They'd rated it 18, yeah. With no cuts, I believe. Right. I haven't seen Um, it. It's good. I mean, it is challenging. uh, Based on a J.G. Ballard novel. Oh, another one. Yes, another challenging J.G. Ballard novel. About people who become aroused by automobile accidents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very strange, but it's very David Cronenberg. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think sort of peak Cronenberg, peak strangeness. (laughs) Up there with um, Dead Ringers, with Jeremy Irons as twin gynecologists. That's a very strange movie. I haven't seen that. Unsettling and weird and... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I've I'm done with the movie. Go see okay, it. So it's it's out on video now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm sort of interested, but it's it's not at the top of my list of things you've um, told me about recently. Okay. Um. Yeah. So Alien, for example, got reclassified. Yes. yes. So that I presume that's because the BBFC judged that based on the way they rate films now, it was worthy of a different rating but why is that what what's changed about the way they rate films or the way society sees things yeah so the so alien at the time was was released I believe that james Furman was in charge then so their their standards were different mm-hmm. um and you're quite right in saying that because they have a consultation every 10 years and that anybody can can reply to their consultation and say, well, I'm concerned about this effect on this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time of its reclassification, people were less concerned about um, blood and gore mm-hmm. and more concerned about maybe sex mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. violence against women and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there is some very creepy violence against Ripley in Alien. In fact, I was thinking about this the other day. There's a bit in Alien where Ash, played by Ian Holm, the late Ian Holm, tries to choke Ripley with a magazine, which is really messed up and nasty and like a... It's just horrible. It's really right. horrible. Um, right, but there's no sexual violence aspect, no, is there? No, not at all, no. So it's all it's all just basic horror and suspense and... Mm. And a few jump scares. So things have changed. And likewise, Aliens was also reclassified. Right. 15. Right. Um, also, The Terminator was reclassified 15 as well. Right. One? Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was reclassified. Was, so, was Terminator 2 already 15? Yes. That was released okay. as a 15, yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, things have changed, really. Is that other priorities lie elsewhere in terms of classification? But things might change again. Uh, I think I need people, to show Terminator and Terminator 2 to my son. I didn't realise they were 15. Yeah, I think you should. Because I've shown them yeah. to my son and he right. he loved them. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I think uh, Arnie's performance in T2 is iconic. Yeah. He's just so good in it. He's just perfect. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's that's... The situation at the BBFC, but they're very yeah. transparent and um, they talk about all of this stuff on their website. Whenever I cook, and they have a podcast as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whenever I cook and I tap my spoon on the side of the pan, dun, 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 dun. I do it in the Terminator rhythm because you have there's, to. There's no other way of tapping one spoon. No, no, you have to do it like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's classic. Uh, so yeah, the yeah that that news story I read this week on the on the BBC, which was a one of their lengthy news stories, quite a long mm-hmm. read, about this Australian man who was given the responsibility of looking after his younger sister, like twenty thirty years ago. Right, went to a. I think they were in like a park or something, a national park maybe in Australia. Oh no, near a beach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He went to the toilet block with her. He turned around for not very long. He went back and she was gone. 
Um, and he was probably about eight or nine years old at the time. And he still hasn't come to terms with that. Yeah, I mean, how could you? So he leaves like pictures around the world and mementos around the world just saying, has anybody seen my sister? Obviously, she wouldn't look at anything like that now, but Mm. he just feels a massive amount of guilt and responsibility for it and has never moved on from the event. So that reading that this week made me Mm. think of censor all over again. It's like this this feeling of guilt and responsibility that she feels is very real. It's a very sad story, this that Mm. that BBFC story. Not Mm. the BBC news story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's ex- extremely rare, but it's horrific. That it's hor- it's awful, anyone. yeah. It's really awful. And, you know, it's possible that that she ran away. I'm, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's she ran away to hide and then got lost and something like that. Um, so it's possible that she wasn't abducted. But if she was abducted, that's just awful. Mm. It's just awful. Yeah, and there's. A, I mean, I, I, I'm aware of the fact that there's currently a conspiracy theory around saying that very large numbers of kids get abducted all the time, which is completely untrue. Yes, it is. I just want to say that. Yes. But there are there is a very small number of people who are abducted, uh, which is just unthinkably awful. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, so that is censor. Thank you. Yeah. Well, like I say, it sounds all right. I mean, you know, I like horror. It's good. Have you been uh, Have you been watching anything recently? Yes, uh, we've been watching the North Water on okay. the BBC. Which what's that? It's a movie all about a whaling ship. Mm-hmm. I think I talked about it on the last pod, or maybe the pod before that. It's st- an incredible cast: Stephen Graham, that's the actor I couldn't remember the name of last time. Okay. Stephen Graham as the captain of this ship. Um, Jason Fleming is in it. Uh, Colin Farrell is in it, mm-hmm. playing a harpoon a harpoon man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Jack O'Connell yeah. as the Doctor. The thing with it is, is that it's all been shot... Actually, no, I think probably the interiors on the ship are in a studio. Mm-hmm. But all of the exteriors are actually shot on a ship in the wow. Arctic. Wow. And that's the kind of thing that you just don't see very often. <laughs> Because, yeah. uh, you know, Kevin Reynolds made Waterworld and then said to everybody else, don't ever, ever shoot on the ocean. It's an absolute no. nightmare. Don't do what I did. No. Um, but the, honestly, the the wide shots and like helicopter or drone shots of this ship at sea are just jaw-droppingly beautiful. Right. You know, a did real you say it was actual a movie? ship. Pardon? Did you say it was a movie? No, it's a TV show. Do, oh, okay. Yeah. It's so, five, wow. e- five episodes. It's really, wow. really bleak. Right. Like, you, you know, it's nihilistic and... Um, is this Colin the thing f- you said You said on our, our text chat is the bleakest thing you've seen since Six Feet six Under? Six Feet Under, yes, absolutely. Right. That's, I mean, that is a high bar. It's pretty bleak, yeah. So Corin Farrell plays this... I'm going to say it again. This nihilistic um, hedonist uh-huh. who says in, in the show... I I have no idea what I'm doing. I just do whatever takes me from moment to moment kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He's just an awful, awful character. He's very, <laughs> well, very well played. Very well played. Right, right, right. Um, Jack O'Connell plays a doctor who has an addiction to laudanum, which is an mm-hmm. opium, um, yeah. opium drink. And Stephen Graham, who plays the captain, is up to no good in some way. That's, which we'll right. find out later on. Uh, yeah, it's right. so good. It's so, so good, the North Water. Right. Yeah. Definitely worth a look. Uh, BBC, be on the iPlayer now, the whole thing. On the iPlayer now. The other Until thing we take finished, it off. Why do they take things off the iPlayer? Well, that's why I record them, so, because I know they're <laughs> going to take them off, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that we finished watching this week was a show called Dave on right. BBC Two, I've which seen, is on its I've second it season. It's on its second season. It's about a rapper, uh, Jewish, uh, Caucasian Jewish rapper in the United States called Lil Dicky, mm-hmm. um, who's this guy called Dave. Uh, and it's about his 
you know his struggle to be taken seriously because actually he's really good he's really right. really good much better than the video you made me watch earlier on <laughs> <laughs> um it's, it's his struggle to be taken seriously and his relationship with his his inner circle so his manager uh his hype man so the guy who comes on and sort of works with him on stage Mm-hmm. Uh, the designer, the video artist, his girlfriend, his parents as well appear in this latest series. Um, the first series was good. This second series has, uh, I think like the first half was not quite so good, but they really saved it up for the final three episodes because, oh, right. honestly, the budget of them is huge. Right. But... The, the penultimate episode goes to some very strange altered states like places so he goes into a okay. a flotation tank and then uh-huh. has a very strange um transformative experience okay whilst in this flotation tank That's it's really it's really good it's really really good dave definitely yeah. recommended um, um, i've been watching that's it um, i think so otherwise it's just um you know, reality TV and stuff like that. I, I've been watching uh, Money Heist. Oh, yes. You talked about that, yeah. Which is Spanish language thing on Netflix about some audacious criminals. And, and they, it's, not it, bodacious. It's pretty, not, not bodacious. They, um, I love heist stuff. And I love, it like, I love it when a plan comes together. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's been really entertaining. And obviously... Not everything goes according to plan, but there's plenty of that kind of really satisfying planning stuff. Um, the the first heist lasts for two seasons. Wow. Um, but I, so I've just finished that, and I've started the third season where they they blatantly, um, you know, this wasn't planned. You know, they were they had a plan for two seasons, and now they're trying to do something else. Okay. So there's definitely a sense of. Um, is this going to be okay? <laughs> but so far, it's reasonably enjoyable in the third season. But yeah, first two seasons of Money Heist, um, really entertaining. Um, I feel like a heisty type thing. Nice. That sounds good. good. Yeah. Uh, we've been we've been watching Afterlife, which oh. I know you've watched all of. Yeah. Um, I really Sobbed like the fact that he's through. torturing his brother. His ex-brother-in-law with sports um, in this season (laughs) to the point where his ex-brother-in-law has a heart attack because he just can't handle it anymore Um, yeah I I like the focus on the smaller characters in series three right 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 right. because I just think it's amazingly amazingly well done it's well observed isn't it Uh, I think yeah it's really good and the other thing we've been watching is Toast of Tinseltown yeah, we tried to watch one of them. Couldn't yeah. get on with it. Yes, I mean, I could see why you like it, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, enjoying that. <laughs> yeah, Matt Berry is very funny. I think the moment when he goes to the recording, to the audio recording studio, and it's the same blokes who are from the studio in London, <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> For which they don't provide a satisfactory explanation, it has to be said, but... Um, <laughs> The, um, I wasn't expecting the level of surreal. Uh, oh, yeah, stuff. it's very, it's very surreal. Yeah, yeah, and his line delivery is very strange. Yeah. But that's part of the show. He says things yeah. in an odd way. Yeah, it reminds me of Murder and Success, Phil. I've heard of that. Is that good? Well, is that good <laughs> or not? So what it is is a. Um, unrehearsed oh, thing. Yes, that's so. Right. Basically, um, the 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 central conceit is that there's a guest, a special guest, who's a celebrity of some kind, and they are like a a new recruit to the police force in Successville, which is a place where all the celebrities live. Right, and the main bloke, whose name I don't know, is the the chief police... He's like a rough policeman. And they have to ad-lib the whole show with... And they go around and interview famous people 
uh, or not famous people sometimes. But anyway, they go around to interview characters to try and find out, you know, who committed the murder. That sounds like it could be shriekingly awful. And it's it's all ad-libbed. <laughs> yeah. And And the best moments of it are where they're trying not to laugh and not quite succeeding. I, I know, like, like when it, yeah, when it, yeah, when it goes like that. Like there's a, a very famous um, bottom live performance where there's a bit where they 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 can't stop themselves cracking up, and you yeah. know it might not be real, but it it works so well on me. I love that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the best moments are definitely when. Um, something very. Someone has said something very funny, and they're trying and to. Is that on Netflix or is that on BBC? Uh, I think it was on BBC. I watched it ages ago. Yeah, I think, I think I've seen that on the iPlayer. Murder, murder and Successville. Yeah. It pr- it's probably on Netflix as well. They seem to have a lot of stuff. Oh, actually, so I would say. Was, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I would say give it a try. Okay. To anyone, anyone, and then you'll you'll know within the first episode whether you're going to get on with it or not. Right. Okay. No, I, th- I think I will give it a try. I do like improvised stuff, but I think it's got to be tight. It's got to be improvised, but with purpose. Right. Yeah. I mean, they have just just riffing for half an hour. Yeah. So this is this has a structure, right? So they go okay. around and talk to different people, and they're trying to solve this murder. And then at the end, the uh, the other extra little twist is that the celebrity guest has to um, solve the murder. Right, so actually, uh, in, during all of this funny ad-libbing, uh, there have also been some clues right? Um, okay. inserted Yeah. That, that should lead you to solve the murder if you're paying attention. Okay. No, I'm going to give that a go. Yeah, it sounds interesting. The one thing I have started watching this week was a new... It's a new TV adaptation of Jack Reacher novels, which you may okay. be aware of. Yes, I've heard of them. You've heard of them, yeah. Uh, I've read a few of them. They're very entertaining, but like paper thin in terms of plotting right. and that kind of thing. They're right. very pulpy read. Yeah, that's what um, I, that's what I my understanding was. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is a the, there've been a couple of movies, uh, right. both starring Tom Cruise, who right. does not. This is like SAS stuff or something, right? No, he's an ex-military policeman. So yeah, I suppose, okay. yeah, ex-military stuff. In the novels, he's like a massive slab of meat. You know, he's like six foot five and right. he has to wear specially made clothes because he's so big. And he moves from town <laughs> to town solving crimes and beating people up, basically. <laughs> um, and that he was played by Tom Cruise in two movies. And Tom Cruise is not six foot five. No. Uh, and also in the books, he doesn't talk much, whereas Tom right. Cruise never stops talking. So, <laughs> so those movies, actually, the first one isn't bad. Uh-huh. It's not bad. The second one is pretty, pretty bad. Right. But this TV show is pretty. No, it's better than pretty good. It's actually good. In terms what of is it called? It's called Reacher. Right. Um, and they're they're adapting. This is an ad- adaptation of the first book, which is called The Killing mm-hmm. Floor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so they've actually cast someone who looks like he could be Jack Reacher. You know, he's a big fella. Right. right. Uh, he doesn't talk much, but when he does talk. He's got presence and he's got charisma. Right. You know, he's, right. he's a right. pretty right. decent actor. Um, good supporting cast. Doesn't look great. You know, so it looks like it's uh, something I used to say on my radio show. It looks like it's been made for TV. Right. Um, which is not a, not a, an insult. It's just the way that something looks. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been mm-hmm. shot. That kind mm-hmm. of looks like it's been made for TV. So it is very TV looking, but... Mm-hmm. I found it to be hugely entertaining. Mm. Um, so I really enjoyed that. That's on Prime at the moment. Right, right. Yeah, well, that's dead to me then. Yeah, dead to you. Yeah. I need to get. I need to get Prime so I can watch the Walking Dead. Some of the Walking off. Dead stuff. Yeah. It's, the, it's Fear the Walking Dead and um, the World Beyond. The World Beyond. Yeah. They're both on there. Yeah. Yeah. That's never going to happen. I'm going to have to get the DVDs. <laughs> yeah, the DVDs will be out some some point. By the way. I've noticed that it's easier to buy DVDs than Blu-rays now. Have you noticed this? I have not noticed this. this Basically, is Blu-rays have kind of failed. Oh dear, that's not. You good. can still get them, you know, but they like basically they were overtaken by the digital thing. Yeah, and also um, Tesco have stopped selling DVDs and Blu-rays and CDs, all physical formats. Right. right. Stop selling. Um, 
because they weren't they just weren't moving. Last year was a terrible year for physical media. Can't imagine well, that, that why. Makes sense. <laughs> Yep. But I still like it because I like my special special features and director's commentaries and oh, stuff yeah, that definitely you won't like all that get stuff. on streaming. You just won't get that. I like all that, but I also like um, no someone else not being in control of whether I can watch it and yes. lend it to someone. It's yours. All, uh, all that stuff. You know, and if you if you subscribe to a streaming service, say for example Netflix or Disney Plus. Stuff just disappears from there randomly, never yeah. to be seen again. So that movie that you really wanted to watch, oh no, it's not there anymore. Yep, and you can't find it anywhere else. So you know, yep. physical media for me is still really important. Yep, really important. So we bought we bought my son for his birthday the DVD of the series Veep. Oh, I love Veep. What the whole box Which, set of the thing? Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I guess it's what series one, maybe I don't know. But, oh, okay, right. Um, we haven't watched it yet. But he kind of, he kind of looked at it like, "What's this?" It's satire. <laughs> I haven't. Uh, no, no. I mean, like, it's a DVD. It's like a physical oh, I see. DVD. What is this thing? <laughs> like an alien. So, um, Please explain the meaning of this box. <laughs> I um, I haven't ripped it yet, so we can't actually watch it because obviously we haven't got a DVD player under the TV. So no, we don't either. No. Um, I have We've to. We've got rip a bunch of cables and stuff it. in the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And a Raspberry Pi. So, I need to get round to doing the ripping and then we can watch it using our Raspberry Pi. Veep is terrific. Yeah. Yeah, I'm expecting good things. I really like almost everything Armando Iannucci's written. It's very different to The Thick of It. It's less yeah, well, acerbic than The Thick of It. Right. But it's still very that. insightful. So I thought The Thick of It was very clever. Yeah. But um, a bit painful, a bit too painful to watch. Yeah, it's a bit office-like, isn't it, The Thick of It? No, I, I, I'd like, I, the pain of The Office was just perfect for me. I loved it. Okay. The thick of it, I don't know, something about it, but just the pain was just not the right kind of pain or something. Right, right. Yeah. I enjoyed the movie that they made. I oh, yeah, yeah. I actually, did, yeah. I actually did pre- prefer that. I enjoyed that the most because it really annoyed Alistair Campbell. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can basically see his life played out on screen. Uh-huh. I, um,. <laughs> I, I, did you notice I contradicted myself in the next sentence? I said I liked everything I might do in actually Except then, for the thick of it. And then immediately talked about something I yeah. didn't particularly like. Although, I mean, I did, like I said, I really respected it. And the movie was somehow more palatable. I think because it's self-contained. Uh, and it exists in a kind of pocket universe of the thick of mm-hmm. it. It's not mm-hmm. really the thick of it, but it kind of is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, It's the yes minister for our time. Yes, definitely. I watched No Time to Die, the latest Bond. Okay. A little while ago now. I forgot to tell you about that, actually. Right. Yeah. I don't think I've seen I must have not seen it, I think. It's the follow-up to Spectre, but it's been delayed like several times. It was supposed to come out in 2020, but obviously didn't. No, hold on. Did we go? I think we go... <sighs> yeah, I think I've seen it. Have I? You think you've seen I it? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> doesn't matter whether I've seen it. What did you think? I liked it. It's got right. some confused plotting. It's got a villain that I really didn't care about. Right. Uh, but it's got a huge, I think, throughout the movie, a huge emotional payoff. Right. That keeps you interested. Oh, I, we did. I Yeah, we did see it. I remember. Okay. Yes. I remember. That there's Yeah. And yep, I think the... I this isn't a spoiler, but it makes callbacks to another Bond movie, which is called On Her Majesty's Secret Service, right? which was the only one that starred George Lazenby. It's a movie right. I really enjoy. I think it, it's right. got, it's really good Bond film. He's not a very good Bond. He's not a very good actor. Right. But I think the movie itself is really strong. Right. Um, but it calls back to that in terms of, um, there's some lovely musical cues to that movie. And it yeah. has, I think, the latest Bond has a kind of melancholy tone to it that is... Right. Because I yeah. like, you know, I just love Misery. So, you know, it's... Um, yeah, well, I like it when yeah. they take themselves a bit more seriously. So yeah. I'm a yeah. huge Daniel Craig fan. I think he's the best Bond. Definitely. But really, Casino Royale is what made me think that. And several of the others have been weak. Yeah, I didn't really like Skyfall very much. No. Um, and I, didn't not, I did not like Spectre. I thought Spectre no. was poor. It's rubbish. 
Yeah. Is that the one where the the MI6 building blows up? Yes. Yeah, that's just it's just rubbish. Yeah, it's not good. No. Um, and sort of incoherent as well. But yeah. Yeah. So I think the new one calls back to Bond's past. Yeah, it's another good one. Yeah, it's gritty. It's not as good as Casino Royale, but I'd say, no. I'd say for Bond, for Craig's era, I'd say it's Casino Royale, then No Time to Die, then maybe Skyfall, then Quantum of Solace, and then Spectre, in that right. order. I was, I was actually didn't mind Quantum of Solace, but I would definitely agree that the first two that you mentioned are the, are the only ones that are really worth it. Yeah, I think every time I watch Casino Royale, I think. This is such a strong movie, as well as being a good Bond film. Yeah. It's a really well-made film. Yeah, I, I, every time I watch a Bond and it's not like that, I just think it's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Could yeah. have made a film like that. Yep, definitely. So, yeah, interested to see who comes next. Um, they've said that, the producers have said that Bond has to be British, has to be a man, but he can be any ethnicity. So that's going to be interesting. If they decide to actually change it up a bit, that would be very interesting. I wonder where they got those rules from. Well, they can make them up, can't they? Yeah. They own the franchise. They can do whatever they want, but they have decided that's that's how it is. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think the one thing I didn't like about No Time to Die was the character played by Ana de Armas, who's like the CIA operative in Cuba. Mm Mm-hmm. She's not in it enough, and she's really right. great. Really, yeah. really great. Uh, but yeah, I liked it. Liked it. Obviously, it's taken a long time to get here. Mm. Delayed by two years. I like the theme tune. My wife listens to um, Billie Eilish a lot. I like her stuff, and she's she's perfectly suited to a to that particular Bond theme, which is, again... A very melancholy tune. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, perfectly suited, really. Yeah. Yeah, you like the sad stuff. I do like the sad stuff, yeah. I mean, I like the sad stuff, too. I like the sad stuff, but I also like knockabout, like, slapstick humour. <laughs> People <laughs> falling over and that kind of thing. That really <laughs> makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got for this week. I'm done. Right. I'm, yeah, wrong out. I think we're done, listener. Yeah, you got anything to plug? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, no, no, I haven't. Okay. Not a while. Thank you very much. See you next time. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.